Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 48. I'm your host, Carter E. Joining me on the other side of the desk, as always, is my producer, Jeff Mulvihill of InstaImage.com. We are, of course, coming off of pretty exciting rivalry game between Carson and Douglas football last Friday. I know that was pretty much the brunt of the conversation last week in the podcast. And while we are going to start there today, we have a lot of other stuff as far as some regional tournaments going on, some state tournaments going on in the golf world. And then we're quickly, we'll run through some of the standings that have now continued to kind of shape shift their way into what will eventually look like uh, a playoff bracket in some of the other regions. But of course, you can start with Carson and Douglas football. Carson with a win over the Tigers, 12-11. Only two scores in the second half. It was 8-6 at halftime. And then, of course, Carson gets its only touchdown of the game. Douglas opts for a field goal early in the fourth quarter, and that was it. That was all the all the scoring we had as far as that goes. I figured it would be a lower-scoring affair. I had some people give me some over-under numbers since sports gambling is so prevalent here in Nevada, and uh, they were way too high. I just I was hearing some numbers close to 50 and I was like there's no way there's just I mean maybe if you know a couple a couple of big plays but that was not the case Friday as you know both teams combined for just over um, 200 yards of offense there officially now with stats up on max press Jeff you've seen a lot of the the rivalry installments over the years I mean I know it's gotten gotten kind of streaky here in the last uh, 15 years. You know, Douglas won three in a row, and now Carson's won two in a row. Um, you know, where did this game kind of stack up for you from the ones you, you remember, given that, uh, you know, while it was, wasn't the highest-scoring game, it definitely had definitely had that uh, that intensity that you, you expect from when these two teams play. Typically, not that we didn't have some standout plays, to me, we didn't have a standout player that for the you know the entire four quarters they were dominant on something, um, and I mean Cole Smalley, you and I were standing together. I'm like, how, how did he even get there? I, I I didn't see him come through the line, but he's he's we just Carson had just passed the line of scrimmage and he was chasing them down the field. The, go in the same direction. I'm like, how does that even work? Yeah. I saw him b- before we started. So that, that was, that's always <laughs> impressive how he it's like Houdini or something. Um, but to me, the game was kind of balanced. Um, Carson had their opportunity, got picked off in the end zone, go back 50 yards later, Carson ends up picking off the ball from Douglas and, and that, that ended the game. But, uh, it seemed very balanced. Um, the crowds were not, uh, chippy i'll say at each other they were they seemed to be kind of reserved because it was like well what is going to happen i had to explain to some somebody asked me the other day how did we get to 12 to 11 and how did that scoring happen so um but i i guess i would say it was i thought it was a balanced game of you know they both had opportunities and the ball didn't bounce their way on on, on many of them actually uh you know and that's how we got what 
there was at least two interceptions, if not more. Yeah, there were two interceptions. Uh, Kincaid Gill had the game winner for Carson's. He picked off uh, Douglas's last offensive series. Um, that came after <clears throat> Connor Jackson had an interception uh, in the end zone for for Douglas, as you alluded to there. That was a ball that so, uh, passed across the middle from Guerrero to uh, DC Quintana, and that ball got tipped going up for it in the end zone and just happened to end up right in the right hands in of Connor Jackson. Um, yeah, that I mean, Carson was looking to to kind of put the game away there. I, th- I think a touchdown might have might have uh, sealed that for for the Senators because they an extra point there would have put them up nineteen eleven, which. I mean, Douglas had already scored a touchdown and gone for two, but that you know it just puts a lot more pressure, especially as the the clock is winding down. There, uh, you know, I talked to Kincaid Gill post post game, and he said Carson's got a lot of very humble players. I think for the for the most part, um, at least you know when they talk to the reporter post game, um, I understand that most people put on their uh, more presentable faces when they talk to me, but uh, you know, said he's just doing what he's supposed to do, right place, right time, and it kind of was, um, yeah. at least from where I was standing. I was kind of 10 yards behind him, I think, and he was on he was on the near sideline to me. And, um, yeah, that was that was a ball. That was a play I've seen Douglas run a few times, and he just happened to be, you know, bumped off his receiver and standing right there for it. And um, that's just that's just how it, how it goes. I mean, honestly, neither of these two teams have shown a huge propensity to, to pass the ball on, on any given – uh, drive so you know neither neither team wants to play from from a significant deficit because that means you're going to have to throw the ball a lot more and that is not not something that our team really uh, succeeds at to a to a huge degree. I mean we're not talking about Bishop Minogue here in any any stretch of the imagination, but I mean both teams did kind of what you expected them to do on the offensive side of the ball. Um, like I said, Carson threw for 134 yards. Douglas threw for 113 on the ground. It was Douglas 116 total yards to Carson's 81 yards of rushing. Connor Jackson had 87 of those yards uh, on 24 carries for Douglas, uh, just a 3.6 yards per carry average, but still, you know, a pretty pretty solid day for him, especially when you add in the interception in the end zone that uh, basically gave Douglas a whole new shot at at taking that game, especially since. They were only down one. They just needed a, a yeah. field goal and that deja vu of last year going the opposite right, way. Right, right. And and though uh, Caleb Valdez is not Isaac Avina, the, he is still quite a uh, quite a talented field goal kicker and can hit from you know a few a few different spots on the field. I've seen it myself and had already hit a field goal um, Friday night as well there. So it was, a, it was a shorter field goal, you know, just from uh, 22 yards, but still three points nonetheless. Uh, and I asked uh, Douglas head coach Kyle Mays if he had any any thoughts to go for it there. You know, it was 22-yard field goal there on the five, so it was fourth and fourth and goal on the five. And, um, you know, it wasn't, so wasn't so much of me questioning the decision. It was just more of the thought process given it was the fourth quarter. And um, he has shown, at least in the, the Carson games in his two years here, that he, he's willing to go for it. I mean, he went for two late in the game last year, and they scored a touchdown on their second drive um, this year, and they went for two right out of the gate. So I was just just curious to hear the, the thought process there. And, um, you know, I kind of agreed with him that they were – having some success moving the ball, especially there in the second half. And, um, you know, in a game that was as low scoring as it was, maybe you only need two field goals. And 
that was the case. I mean, yeah. up until they throw the interception in the final drive, uh, a field goal would have won it for Douglas. Like you said, it was a lot of a lot of deja vu to last year. But nonetheless, Carson comes out in front, twelve eleven. They also pick up a playoff spot, though that is they are most likely going to be the eight seed, but that is not yet determined. There are things that could still play out this weekend where they could end up uh, one spot higher, but. That will the that result does bounce Douglas from the postseason. Now that Carson has one more win and the tiebreaker over Douglas for that last spot, so Douglas will play Spanish Springs this weekend or this Friday. Excuse me. Carson will travel out to Fernley for a game against the Vaqueros, uh, a three A opponent. There, you know, at first we weren't really sure what what either of these games are going to look like this coming week, given that. Um, we knew somebody was going to be in the playoffs and somebody wasn't. So Carson will get to continue its season for at least two more weeks. Douglas, this will be this will be it this Friday. But you know, regardless, still a very fun game to watch and always an entertaining um, rivalry game. And you know, as I, both coaches said prior to Friday's game, you know, this, the the rivalry means something whether or not. You know, kids at 16 can decide that between two wins with, with two teams with one win apiece. I mean, they don't put that game on TV for nothing. Yeah. Um, that's there's it's 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 a fun one. And uh, it was also nice to see that there was less shenanigans, I guess, for lack of a better term. That's, that's true. Yeah. And Almost uh, none. I think uh, I think both both schools did a good job of of having enough administrators there, which they they always do and making sure that things were a little bit. Uh, harder to get around, I guess, for for lack of a better <laughs> phrase there. But um, otherwise, you know, that's going to do it for, for our football coverage, at least for, for this episode, and kind of dive off into uh, these other standings now as we, we inch closer to the playoffs here. I know, you know we talked a lot about standings last week, and, uh, of course, I'm going to start with volleyball here. Got three spots already punched in Class 5A for volleyball playoffs between Minogue, Reno, and Spanish Springs, all of which only have two league losses this year. Then you got Carson and Douglas right now sitting in the 4-5, both with seven losses. Carson's at 6-7, and seven, Douglas is 5-7, and seven, and uh, they still play each other. So that is a chance for those standings to get flipped. Obviously, Carson won the first meeting between the two, 3-1. That was in Douglas, too. Uh, so they will come back to... Carson for the second meeting uh, here coming up pretty soon. But uh, we'll get to this more with soccer because I know this is a point you've talked about a lot, but uh, Douglas does have one less game played there on the volleyball side of things. So Carson not only plays Douglas, they also play McQueen and Reed, which uh, pauses for the Senators there. McQueen and Reed are currently tied for last in the uh, volleyball league standings. They are both 2-10. and ten. Uh, Reminder, only top six in volleyball we'll head to the playoffs as opposed to top eight in football so damani and galena are both five and eight right now so they are the six and the seven so that gives douglas a half game edge on damani and galena and then carson has a full game on the mustangs and the grizzlies as well so very intriguing uh games to watch there there's a chance that carson or douglas doesn't make the postseason there's a chance they both make it, and there's still a chance that one of them has a home game uh, for to open the regional tournament. So definitely something to continue watching there. Now as we flip over to soccer, this is where Jeff has had some very interesting points as 
Carson girls currently sit in third at seven, six, and one in the league standings. That's 14 games played, right? All right, everybody's following along so far. Douglas is five, five, and two. They are the sixth seed right now. That's 12 games played. However, we've got teams with 11 games played. We've got teams with 10 games played. And there's 10 days. There's less than 10 days to go, basically. Right. So we're talking about certain teams having to play five, five, six games in 10 days. and That's unbelievable. And there's not that many postponements to make up here. I only see one from the, the, the website. So... Some scheduling snafus. It could be due to lack of referees too. I'm not trying to trying to put this all on the scheduling, but it is very strange to see uh, some teams have you know five, maybe six games left, while the likes of uh, you know Carson's got two as far yeah. as league league standings go there, and you know that means that a couple of these teams have probably already punched tickets to the playoffs, but um, you know with with there being such a a jumbling of how many games are left. It's it's really tough to tell uh, at the moment. But obviously, you know, there's teams at the top like Reno and Reed at uh, 9-2-2 and 8-3-2 and in league. Though the standings do not say have officially punched their ticket to playoffs. There isn't a way that either yeah, of those teams could not make it. So um, that is something to keep in mind there. Like I said, Carson only has Bishop Minogue and Reed left. So... You know, uh, Reed obviously sits in front of him right now, so there's a chance that Carson could maybe even catch him and get a get a bye in the the first round. However, Reed has three games left against not only Carson but Douglas and Spanish Springs. So, Spanish Springs at just one in ten in league play. It's more than likely that Reed will pick up a win there and probably uh, get enough of a gap to hold on to a top two seed there. Uh, as I said, Douglas sitting at the sixth seed at five, five, and two. Minogue is right behind them. They're basically three points behind, so a win behind at four, seven, and two there. Um, but again, Minogue has played one more game than the Tigers. And, uh, you know, have, have you, do you remember seeing anything like this in, in your, your history of being around here? I mean, how weird does that shape up these, these final two weeks knowing that, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, you have to do a lot of scoreboard watching. I don't, I don't ever remember there being more than two games a week for a team. You know, you play on Tuesday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Saturday. Typically, before we went, we went to split to 3A, 5A, the boys would play the same school as the girls on a Saturday. So Reno would come to Douglas for the, for the all-day Saturday. So there were four games. This year, it's gotten different, but I just don't know how it got so out of whack. I mean, you're, you're playing, you're going to have to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday to make it, to get your five games in. And that's just to get in to and the playoffs. That's, and I realize they're in condition and we're well into the season and everybody should be fit, but you're going to get people hurt. That's just crazy a number of games. Yeah, and I mean, it's not, there are definitely stretches where I know they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but to have... I guess to have five games every other day yeah. at the end of the regular season, yeah. yeah, is definitely definitely something to look at. I'm not gonna say cause for concern, but something to yeah. look at for well, sure. And, and I, I, you know, you, you wonder about the whole your team being in form when you hit the playoffs. And Carson obviously will be rested; they'll be in the playoffs. But 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that inform bit works. Well, know? don't don't look at Major League Baseball for yeah. any uh, any indication there as we're watching teams that had buys and were well-rested just get knocked out left yeah. and right uh, over on the, the professional side of things. Uh, I will quickly jump into Carson Boy Soccer here. They are now the sixth seed as uh, things have shaped up with a win over Damani Ranch and Spanish Springs in their last two games. Carson now 2-7-4 and four in league play. That gives them 10 points. Of course, the top, you have Hug and Sparks that have kind of run away with it. They've already clinched their two spots. Hug, I think, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the Hug players, but for, for us kind of watching from afar, beat Sparks 4-1 to one and kind of surprised everybody. That yeah, I had a very interesting conversation with Pedro on okay. Saturday about that. And, and uh Obviously, before the game, mm-hmm. I saw him at eight o'clock on the in the morning, and he just flat out said he thinks Hugs a better team than Sparks. <laughs> and I, you and I saw Sparks, mm-hmm. and we're like wow, those guys are are good. And he did he just flat out told me I think Hugs a better team. Yeah, and you know Hug, while they uh, they both have four one wins over Carson, Hugs two zero win um, over Carson as opposed to Sparks one one tie. Um, you know, I for whatever reason that two zero win from what I remember, wasn't super convincing. It was, I mean, Hug definitely controlled possession for the most part, but it was really was two goals in the second half that, yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't until the last 20 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, that that game even broke from a 0-0 tie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, something to, to keep in mind there. And, again, we're looking at a, a um, final two weeks of the league slate where Carson's played – you know, 13 games, so they have three left, but the team right below them in Wooster has only played 10. Yeah. So Wooster's got six games left in, in league, and that's going to make the final standings here all sorts of tricky to figure out. There's really no way to kind of predict the the way it's going to go because if everybody had three games left, it'd be easier to kind of point yeah, and trace absolutely. how things could shape out. But given that Wooster's going to play three more games and they only trail by one point, um, it's gonna. There's not a real. There's not a lot of guesswork you can do <laughs> once once that happens. And uh, and Wooster also has a win over Sparks this year. So you know, let's just it's just get all wonky. Yeah, I mean it. And the girls is the girls side is so close, top to bottom. And I realize Hug and Sparks have, have pulled away on the boys side, but Wooster's always, always, always putting a good team out. Yeah, let me let me retrace that. I'm not sure what that Wooster Sparks final was. I've got I see a three zero and a six one, so I don't I don't know who won that game. There might be a might be a typo here on on the NIAA website. But uh, that's all we're going to talk about for soccer. I am going to real quickly touch on just kind of some other things going on around the area, especially some things you can look for in the newspaper and print this week. We're going to have, of course, a nice little spread for both Class 3A girls golf and Class 5A girls golf going on today and tomorrow. We are taping this Monday morning uh, for the sake of being transparent there. However, both golf state tournaments wrap up tomorrow being Tuesday. They are both in the north this year where Class 3A is at Genoa Lakes, and Class 5A is at Toyabi. So they're both close by. And, um, man, <laughs> Jeff, I know you are not much of a golfer, but Toyabi for uh, state tournament is going to eat some kids alive. <laughs> and I don't mean that as an insult to them because that course eats me alive, and I am not 
all that competent of a golfer. So that's going to be it's going to be interesting there for sure. I'm very curious to see how some of those scores shake out. Again, that that is the Class Five A tournament that ends Tuesday afternoon. Class Three A at Genoa Lakes, which pretty sure Douglas is in line to run away with um, for the second year in a row. So we will have photos, results, some quotes and stuff in um, this weekend's uh, edition of the newspaper. Unfortunately, that will not make it into Wednesday due to some of the deadlines I have out here. We also have tennis going on on the individual side. Um, the The team side is wrapped up. Nobody from uh, our coverage area made it on the team side. Douglas did get a win in the first round, but was ended up being bounced by the number one seed in Bishop Minogue, just kind of quickly bouncing around the uh, singles and doubles tournaments here. Carson has a seven seed in the doubles side of things. Um, Douglas has an eight seed as well. Uh, Abigail Hutchings and McKinnick Chapel for Douglas will get a bye in the first round. They will play tomorrow at Minogue in the Class 5A doubles, same with Carson's pairing that gets a bye. On the single side, Douglas's Jocelyn Turner, who has been pretty pretty solid this year, will be a six seed for the Tigers there. Otherwise, your top seven of your top eight, six of your top eight seeds come from Reno or Bishop Minogue, who were the two best teams on the girls' side there. Over on the boys' side, you know, we do look at, obviously, Carson and Douglas both have uh, – players in those tournaments but nobody has a top eight seed for the boys uh singles around here however on the boys double side we do have a seeded team from douglas and wade coleman and wyatt frisbee they are in eight seed so they will get an opening round by as well and they will get to wait till tuesday to play their first matchup in the 5a north regional doubles tournament otherwise that's gonna do it for episode 48 again thank you to today's title sponsor uh double j auto nv in gardnerville you can find them online at www.doublejautonv.com be sure to hit my email inbox if you've got anything you think we should talk about or any other story ideas if you've uh, made it this far obviously we appreciate you a lot my email is cekl at nevadaappeal.com or cekl cekl at recordcourier.com even messes me up and it's my own name Otherwise, that's going to do it for episode 48. Thanks to my producer, Jeff Mulvihill, as always. And we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. 